Hey guys, welcome to Bullhawk Sports Show. I'm CJ Hawk, joined by DJ Vanity Bull. This is episode 27 of the Bull and Hawk Sports Show. And we are doing our second edition of our new segment, which is called First Five, which is five article headlines that we found. Two for each of us. One we both looked at. And keep in mind this, we did not read the article or we shouldn't have at least. And we're just going to read off like the headline of the article, then talk about each of the articles for a total of about 15 minutes. We want to keep it brief because it is called the first five. We don't want it to be the first hour. So we're going to keep it, keep it brief, 15 minute maximum. Then once you get done with our five articles, we're going to move on to today's topics ranging from the Premier League, hockey, baseball, NWSL, and more. So stay tuned for those coming up after the first five. And DJ Bennett, Bull, and I have not decided who wants to go first. Do you want to flip a coin? How do you want to do that? Well, first of all, hey. I am doing very well. I've been enjoying going for a lot more runs lately. Yeah. And I had a good time. To... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the gyms are closed, so you need to do some way to stay in shape. And yeah. I've been running since June first, so two week, couple weeks. Focus on cardio for the day. <laughs> Yeah, I need to do some cardio, too. I don't always get to. Uh, my thing is yoga. Yeah. T- today's my, like, strength workout. So I did running yesterday, last night, two miles, and now today's, like, strength workout. All right. You're going to instead uh track and field stuff. <laughs> or cross country. Cross country. <laughs> so... All right, so first five, I, I can go first. Okay. And first, I am going to go with the, yeah, I'll go with the Instagram live that occurred yesterday in the afternoon with one of my favorite players in, oops. That's the wind blowing. And in the one of our favorite plays in the NWSL, and that is Portland Thorns midfielder and forward Lindsey Horan, who was interviewed by Men in Blazers, which is a supporters group for football. And yes, so Lindsey, she's a 2018 NWSL MVP. She is originally from Golden, Colorado, and so we got to learn a little bit more about Haran, and she is very inspirational as the host of many times, and uh, just a few brief highlights that I took from this is that I found that I learned that um, she is um, just very positive 
uh, person and uh, backs it up with one of the quotes that she answered for um, how she's been handling the whole shelter in place during um, the pandemic and what she basically is taken from um, things every day. So she said that she said to take the positive in many things. So many of the little activities that we fi- like finally gotten to do um, definitely doesn't, don't take it for granted. And she's definitely seen like the good things that can happen without having to go out, um, you know, like easily on the grind every day. So basically um, to see um, even in, you know, it's so easy to get down in the negatives during these times. So um, we could definitely look at things um, more positive, kind of, kind of. I don't want to say forced, but like, kind of get yourself to in that mindset to um, look at some things positive that you do each day. So, and she mentioned that, which we're going to talk about more later. That her favorite team in Premier League, the host after in one part, is Arsenal. So just about an hour ago, Arsenal versus Manchester City happened, kickoff at 2.15 p.m., which we'll get into a little later. Very, very interesting. Is it my turn now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This one is from ESPN, and it's titled Arena for Seattle's expansion NHL team months behind schedule. Should be ready for year one. So this headline has to do with the new NHL franchise that's based in Seattle. And this has to do affects the uh, central division in hockey. So the Phoenix Coyotes or Arizona Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes who are in the Pacific division are moving to the same division as the Blackhawks. And then the Seattle one will be in the Sharks and that the Pacific division. And this headline talking about Seattle is month behind. It means that the team, like the team logo, team name, the arena where they're going to play isn't ready, which they should have been if the season actually had started back up again. But since it hasn't started back up again, and the Seattle team won't be playing until next season anyway, it's not a huge deal as maybe the headline might make you assume. So we don't know Seattle team name or anything yet or the players because they haven't been drafted, but we will by late 2020, depending on when the season, next season starts. That was that headline. 
I agree on this one. The full headline states baseball in terminable bickering, which we'll get into later, puts MLS in position to pounce this summer. I mean, this is this is a good thing, you know, allowing, um, you know, one of the most popular topics or prominent topics that we, sports that we go over here. Um, the program in international football, association football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Is, we'll have a chance for the spotlight and for more to get to see since um, everyone's kind of waiting for, you know, what's uh, every, their favorite sports to come back or just some sports in general. So maybe uh, we'll get more soccer fans uh, come in and uh, be able to uh, see what they're all about. And this will happen at the same time. At the same time, I kind of want to disagree with this since, you know, NWSL has been having a lot of momentum. And so they're doing, starting like about a week or two before with their challenge trip, uh, which will be exciting. And uh, I'm sure that's especially them making their debut on CBS Sports. It's going to be a highlight in itself. And that they can get the spotlight is just the fact that most of the games in between all that is going to be on CBS All Access, which is streaming. So you might not get so many fans watching through TV because um, most fans usually tune in through TV. So like you might not be able to get as many. So I hope that that can be possible. Uh, MLS, uh, unsure of Fire FC, if they will continue having some games in this tournament on uh, WGN. So the hope is that that is going to be it. So kind of the two different leagues, women's and men's, kind of going neck and neck, see who's going to be uh, most popular this summer, and it's going to be fun. And that is on LMS taking the spotlight this summer. My thoughts, at least. <laughs> I have one final headline. I changed my mind because there was another one that I was going to do, but I think that one works better for actually a potential segment in this episode. So this headline I found is from Golf World, and it is by Christopher Powers and Stephen Hennessy, titled RBC Heritage 2020 Expert Picks. Which favorite is the best bet at Harbor Town? Question mark. Ooh, which one is it? <laughs> well, I don't know. There is a. There, if you looked at last week's Charles uh, Schwab tournament, if you look into that that one, there's some people who could take as maybe a good bet, like Bryce and Chambo played really well. He almost won, or Justin Thomas was doing well. And there's potential ones. And this is a betting thing. So if you were betting, who would you want to bet? And this is in South Carolina. It starts tomorrow morning. Oh, again, like I was saying out there, their love for the Carolina, they like to have uh, them host a lot of their events. 
Well, South Carolina is really pretty. They have a lot of pretty courses there. I mean, Illinois has has stuff, so you can't just say that only <laughs> they all have stuff. In their mind, they hardly want to pick Illinois, so like well, they're just thinking like how they usually. Well, we have the we have the Medina Country Club, which is like one of the fanciest. Yeah. I usually, yeah, I usually don't have uh, any other like major events, like even bigger than that, <laughs> can uh, get here. So I'm just wondering, like they want. Usually, like, they keep, like, the East Coast, like, that's where they usually make that. I wonder. That's that article, so that's what I got. And the final fifth five is on the return of Premier League. And so two bouts, two matches occurred this morning, or actually this afternoon, right? I mean, all these, for us at least, it's a uh, game uh, doubleheader today. And uh, had, we're going to get into one of the two games. So today... We have Manchester City versus Arsenal, as well as Aston Villa, or as they call Villa. I think it's Villa, yeah. Sheffield United. And, and that, that game is going on right now. No, that that game was this, this morning. Oh, I'm getting flip-flop here because my, my feed was... Uh, going back as if the game was going on. So, like, yeah, that, that game is has happened. That was the first game of the day. And the full time of that is final score, 0-0. Zero, zero. And it happened at Via Park. It, it wasn't on TV. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it... It maybe, but I don't think it was though. Yeah, you but, can also actually check out highlights and the link to it. But, uh, YouTube surprisingly that they put that. I should have seen that. Part. But there, like nine minutes fifty six seconds right here. But there was a controversy that came about because you know the VAR, like how they look at goal, like goal replays or replays. Well. Yeah. They should, they found that it looked like Sheffield United was robbed from a potential goal. So technically, Sheffield United should have won one nil. But they did they didn't like call it or anything until the game was already over, and they looked like they looked back and saw that Sheffield United's goal should have counted or something. So so the decision is final. Yeah, it's final. But yeah, Ashton, but, but you don't have yeah. that. But the Ashton Villa coach is probably dancing in the streets because his team his team only had 25 points entering the game. And if they had lost, they would have stuck with 25. But since they tied, they now have 26. So they're only one point behind Bournemouth, Watford, 
West Ham, all three of those teams, to move into out of relegation zone. So they would, if they get to twenty eight, they'll pass those ones. How do you how do you say this one? Leicester. Leicester. Yeah, it's it's spelled it's spelled like Leicester, but it's pronounced Leicester. Yeah, it's pronounced Leicester. So the current standings are in ascending order. I'll do the top 10. Burnley at number 10. Arsenal, Tottenham, Wolves, Sheffield United, Man United, Manchester United, that is, Chelsea, Leicester City, Manchester United, and at the top, Liverpool. You you forgot the last eleven bot le, the worst ones. I did not. I, I specifically said that I want to do the, the the top ten. Oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and also um. I guess you could say no noteworthy. Also, not tot. It's actually pronounced Tottenham, by the way. Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, yeah, I'm still learning the That's all right. Premier League my, myself. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, and of course I um, will get to know um, the remainder of uh, the 20 uh, clubs as we get to see play. So, so on to episode... 27. Yes, that was our first five. So give us some feedback, some info. How are you enjoying the first five so far? This is our second edition. Should we continue it or do, should we not? But some people I talked to said they liked it, so maybe we should keep doing it. Yeah. I think it was cool. I, I think it's a different idea. I kind of yeah, like doing it because it gets us, like, it, like, eases us into the episode. Yeah, that's the word. Like, instead of um, immediately rushing into it, like, we have, like, a nice time to, like, ease into it. Like, get prepared. Like, look at some notes while we're looking at this. Or... Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Definitely warms everyone else up, too. Yeah. And I hope that, that gets everyone excited for what's coming up. Well, I have a few potential topics we could discuss. There, do you want to just talk about like the recap of the Manchester City Arsenal game right now? Since we just finished talking about like that headline, of course. So naturally, our first area of business is with the Premier League, as again Manchester City versus Arsenal occurred and spoiler alert there was a no in-person attendance policy no I'm shocked and also three zero was Manchester City taking the victory in the second game of the day and a second spoiler alert it should have been more like six nil 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I, I did see that they, uh, a certain player uh, scored twice, though they didn't want to count. Yeah. So, no, but there was no. At Etihad Stadium in Manchester. That's right. And this was live on NBC FN, which look which locally is NBC Sports Chicago, which includes the Bulls, Blackhawks, I'm sure many already know. And formerly the Red Stars. So first Substitution occurred at the seventh minute mark with Danny Ceballos in for Granny Zaka. I really like that name. Yeah, that um, was a bad injury. Yeah, um, Zaka had to get carted off the field. Yeah, which was not exciting. So that that was like, like, all right, lost cause. Like we had to. It. So, um, Zaka is number 34, midfielder, and, uh, yeah, is for, you know, fellow midfielder number eight, Ceballos. Yeah, so, uh, quite a few of, uh, I want to say flops that occurred during this game, and, um, before we go any further, let's, we, let's mention some of the newer rules slash policies that were introduced in this game as well as some nice touches that the players were did advocate for and which is good since they actually, you know, actions speak the words that water breaks occurred. There was instituted into this game to keep hydration for the players and since the schedule um, is has been reduced. It's so tight. Um, yet their days, times in between uh, their next games are going to be shortened or uh, going to be very tight knit. They want to be as preventative as possible, so like these water breaks will avoid um, heat related illness, which in turn avoids injury. So that's the purpose of that, and. Sterling, Sterling of Manchester United. You mean City? You're about to say? Yeah, you mean Manchester City, not United. Oh, my bad. That's why why I was mixing up the two, because he united everyone through this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Manchester City, of course. Um, Sterling, he led a kneeling by all players in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. So, with that, before the start of the game, he um, that occurred as the players actually made their entrances, they each were sporting Black Lives Matter on their kits instead of their names. Of course, all for the movement that's going on for social justice. But I thought that was a really nice touch by 
Sterling as well as all the, the entire the both clubs. That also happened. Then, that yeah. also yeah. That also happened in the other match too. So both matches had that. Right. So players definitely uh, are uniting, and for the cause. And next at the twenty fourth minute substitution, David Luiz for defender Pablo Mari for Arsenal. And. This is when the game spiraled out of control, ended when Pablo Marie had to leave due to injury. David Luiz, him entering the game, basically cost Arsenal not the the loss, because they played horribly, but it helped make them even worse. Right. Because he was abysmal. Yeah, and then getting up to close to the halfway point, there's a goal by Raheem Sterling. He is one of their forwards, Manchester City, number seven. And the striker scored at the 45th plus two minute mark, which is 47 minutes. And that put them. Um, up for the edge for momentum on their way to the victory. This was via assist by De Bruyne. I hope I said that. Uh, yeah, Ke- Ke- Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne. So you're close. De Bruyne. At this point, about to halftime already. And all these different... Um, Times being added have to do with the substitutions that were necessary. Uh, for example, for uh, Zaka being put out due to injury. So that was the theme for this game. Then at the 49th minute, they mentioned here, though, I have down here the 50th minute. David yeah, Luis. I had the 50, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Given a red card, which was warranted, because uh, yes, David Luiz basically charged at on his Mares, and then David Luiz, yeah, he caused um caused him to to trip. Yep, started to trip and then like he lied on his knees, and so that was hardball as the rest came up to to that. Uh, so that means that Arsenal was down the 10 men down one and they played with 10 men after that then at the next minute Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City midfielder scored a penalty goal for that red card so their answer to Luis and put them up to zero. Then at the 65th minute, Bernardo Silva came in for David Silva <laughs> for Manchester United midfielders. Same minute, they decided to switch out midfielders. Phil Foden 
coming in for Riyad Mahrez. And keep in mind, Riyad Mahrez was the man who had tripped by David Luiz earlier in the game. Yeah. So Phil Foden came in. So it was kind of like they got them <laughs> do this. And uh, then two minutes after, 67th minute, Ainsley Maitland-Niles came in for substitution for Mateo Guendosi. Thanks for taking it because I don't know how to say that. Yeah, it's quite, it's, it's, it's a mouth to it here. A lot of different, um, you know, different, uh, let's say, let's say syllables. <laughs> uh, you know, the accent marked up there, which is fine. I, I know how to pronounce that. But, like, uh, these, these names are definitely, uh, some names we're not as familiar with. No. Um, in terms of the players. Well. So we, we do our best. We have one final minute to cover this, so I think we're going to skip to the end of the match when Phil Foden, who had subbed in, scored the game-ending goal to give Manchester City a 3-0 victory over Arsenal. And Manchester City outshot them 17-3, played a lot better. Arsenal was very sloppy with David Luiz and other players as well. So Manchester City got the W. Still a lot of points behind Liverpool, but helped them, and Arsenal's still stuck at knife, which isn't very good for the Gunners. And stay tuned for our next topic coming up very soon. What is our next topic? Manchester City was great in their free no frottering, uh, frottering of <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal Gunners didn't win. And Benny and Bull and I both enjoyed watching the match, seeing Premier League soccer for the first time since March, when in fact this was the Arsenal Manchester City was the final game that was going to happen for the Premier League season, but it was canceled. In March, so this is kind of nice. It's the first one, well, second, second one back for the Premier League season, and the new matches start Friday. So not like games that should have happened. The new ones are next. Under the new format, then. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was done well. They had no fans, but they had the audio pumped through the stadium. Yeah. That's something that we didn't get to mention that I wanted to, that they did the piped-in crowd noise, which was for TV only, uh, as you can get the experience on NBCSports.com, they mentioned, or the app, without noise. So they gave you options. I believe it helped. I personally... Yeah. Yeah, I personally like the audio, the music, like the audio pumped in through... The crowd, like the stadium, because it makes it more realistic. Even though there are zero fans, at least gives some more realism. Because, like people have said, no audio like that, it kind of feels like a practice match with at least having some pumped through. It feels more like a game. Yeah, and also that it it didn't sound like it was like oh out of the blue. Like it didn't like mesh well. It it messed well. Yeah, it messed fine. With 
Yeah, it, it, it sounded very natural. And they actually had some, uh, like, Zoom. I know they're, like, on banners, they're advertising Zoom. So, like, it, it looked like it was on Zoom. Uh, they, they had on their Tron, uh, I guess, in English band that were on uh, on on a mass call uh, through Zoom, and they're shown um, watching the game from home. So there's the audience right there. <laughs> um, that's part of it, I guess. It might be staff. It might be family, friends of staff. Who knows? That's uh, from what it looked like. It was those fans that somehow got um, into that virtual audience. Uh, as Yahoo said, Man City drugs Arsenal in triumph at the turn. So, and it's worth mentioning that there was a there was two yellow cards that were ensued by each um, 76 79 minutes respectively with Kieran Tierney of Arsenal as well as Rodri of Man- Manchester City. And of course, that ended with uh, Phil Foden, midfielder of Manchester City, sealing their win 3 0 at the 92nd, 90 plus 2 minute mark for a goal. Spelled victory for Man City. Yeah, this was definitely, it was nice to, this is really the first game that, for soccer. First soccer game that I've seen in a long time, so it's good to have some sort of um, game back in their respective sport. Yeah, I've, I've been watching some Bundesliga, especially Bayern Munich, but a lot of the teams in the Bundesliga yeah. are abysmal, so it's kind of hard to watch those matches. But like Bayern Munich's always good, so it's nice to see them. Yeah, and to clarify, we each watch this game at our Correct. respective homes, live, and in living color. You're welcome, NBC. That uh, they, while this was going on, so uh, we definitely were there during the action. So that's very nice. And that and other the... games to come yep. were said to be this weekend. And it will be on NBC as well as Peacock, the new Peacock uh, TV. Yeah, on Friday, the first game is Norwich City versus Southampton at 12 o'clock. Then at 2.15, Man United versus Tottenham. And then on Saturday... Watford versus Leicester at 6.30, so the really early game. A.M. Yep. That's a local time, huh? Yeah, that's the early one. Then Brighton and Arsenal at 9. West Ham and the Wolverhampton yeah. Wolves at 11.30. Bournemouth, Crystal Palace at 1.45. And then finally to wrap it up, Sunday, Newcastle and Sheffield United at 8 a.m. Eston via Chelsea at 10.15. Everton, Liverpool at one. So that breaks up this week. So, in Premier League. And some of these, yeah, some of these matches are definitely must wins for some of these teams because there's not that many games left, like seven games or so. So some of these teams need to 
win to avoid like relegation zone or a horrible finish. But I'm not I, sure. Are you gonna you gonna say must see? Yeah, I mean I'm not sure. Some of them are. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're gonna do the relegation zone because it wouldn't be fair. But I mean, if they get the whole season, and I guess it could be fair, but we'll see what they do. Yeah, I guess if you're a fan of Premier League or probably just getting into, um, you know, English soccer, then you'll probably enjoy it. You know, not too, you know, not too many games. That yeah, know, overwhelming. It's kind of a nice, like trial run or, like, yeah. But and some of the. Yeah. Yeah, some of the players definitely looked out of gas, so like they seemed rusty when yeah, it started. They seemed rusty, like that they it hadn't played. Be, uh, it, it could be like they're kind of slow down. I know they. It's actually good to play in the rain, so yeah. yeah it, it rained for the first half. So, I thought it looked like sweat. That was probably a mix of both sweat. It's and, both. You know, <laughs> the and sweat and uh, rain, rainfall. So. That was our coverage of Man City versus Arsenal. Now we transition from international football to basketball. The NBA, more specifically. And this is, yeah, we found this article from Bleacher Report, which we use often on the program, and it's titled... Ranking the 10 best second round NBA play, draft picks of all time and a little bit of background. In the NBA draft, there's two rounds, 30 picks each. There used to not be, but now there is for a while. So they have the two round 60 player total. So these people who are drafted in the second round, so not Michael Jordan's or high picks like that. Yeah, our dear and the success rate for second rounders isn't the greatest ever. There have been plenty of great second rounders evidenced by this list, but not. There's been plenty who just came into the NBA and left without a whisper, without like a, a whisper or anything. Right. And this article was written by Andy Bailey, and he chose ten players, but then there were also ten. Who missed the cut? Missed the cut. So honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. And and Richard Lewis. Did you have more to say? No, I was just gonna start, but go yeah, go ahead, Richard Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DeAndre Richard Jordan. Yep, DeAndre Jordan, known for being on the Clippers, great defensive player, but I think he did not warrant. Making the top ten list, so um, I agree with his honorable mention list. Yeah, how about Richard Lewis? I like Richard Lewis. He was totally fine, yeah. but I I don't know his stats well, or like his stats or yeah, hardware well enough. So then Dennis Rodman. I think he should have been listed at least like number nine or ten. And I definitely got to know Rodman more through watching the last dance on ABC. So, originally on the Pistons, then this bad boy, bad boy persona actually began 
in Detroit, so <laughs> we just carried that on to Chicago, the Bulls. So, um, yeah, that, he, he deserves to be on this. Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, Gilbert Arenas is one of those guys who got signed to an explosive, huge contract, but could never live up to it. With his off the court issues, like when he had the gun in the locker room and he had a lot of issues, but he was talented, but I don't think he ever lived up to it. So he didn't deserve to make the list. Carlos Boozer of the Bulls, most probably. And the Jazz, yeah. Yeah, Carlos Boozer, good defender, good scorer. I think definitely a good player, but I don't know if he deserved to make it over. Like even some of the guys who didn't make it, like I think Dennis Rodman was better than Boozer. So I think. Yeah, he uh, he is he was on at the tail end of uh, when D Rose was still on. Right. Yeah, and uh, he was actually pick number thirty-five. So that is very. Uh, Deep in the, the second round. Uh, next, there's Danny Ainge. Yeah, Dan- Danny Ainge is known more as like a front office guy. I don't know his like stats, but he's known as a front front office guy. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, he's he's over there. He is. He's with the Celtics, I think. Yeah, he well, he runs. Uh, he's a GM and yeah. Pres- Basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And, uh, I guess, uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't really mention much about, well, he was, um, he was second round, uh, 31st number round pick, 1981. So he just uh, missed the cut. For which team? Yeah. It, yeah um, of the Celtics, yeah. And, uh, he was also on the Kings, Trailblazers, as well as the Suns. And he acted as a coach for the Suns the year after he left in 96 through 99. Next, Danny Green. Green, fan favorite. Yeah, Danny Green, great three-point shooter. One of the best. Good teammate. Good role player. He's a guy you want on your team shooting the ball. Portland, yeah. He's like... He's like a Kyle Korver type, a guy like that who, great three-point shooter, isn't going to light up the scoreboard, but he's going to make enough three-pointers that you'll stay competitive. He also came from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Right. So he is one of, like, Kobe. D. Why am I forgetting it? Sub-Zero White in Tar Heel, which he played college basketball for, of course, where he played in more games and had more wins than any Tar Heel before him. So before uh, Sub-Zero White uh, came on, uh, he was the the record holder. And so I believe it's what the uh, NBA said that, like, Coming from the Tar Heels, that uh, right now that that uh, that White has the 
as records for. It might be both. So, um, yeah, uh, Green and uh, Kobe White, they both share that honor. And Green is currently on the Lakers, so he's still uh, going strong. Next, Nate McMillan, who, to be honest, I didn't know he even played basketball. I only, I only know him as the coach. I only know him with when he coached the. He's a, he's a Pacers coach right now. And then he coached um, Trailblazers, I think. He coached them for yeah. a while. Yeah. And all the if you have, if you are like googling McMillan, like his, all the photos, all the 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 front photos that are on is all like you think coach because he's, yeah I didn't I didn't even know he played. <laughs> so, so yeah he uh, you know he also coached the Supersonics. Oh and right. The Blazers too. Yeah. And uh, playing career, he was on the Supersonics his mm. whole career, eighty six through ninety eight. Makes sense. So yeah, so he was there during you know um, during big time when Jordan was was there and uh, nicknamed Mr. Sonic. Uh, mm. Due to his playing and coaching stints with the Supersonics. Next, Trevor Ariza. Ariza. Not Who's... to be confused with Hank Azaria of The Voice for the Simpsons. Mm, yeah, not, not to be confused. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Trevor Ariza, he's been playing for a while. I think he's still playing. He's played with the Rockets. Among a million different teams, he's been all over. He's a he's a good a million. He's a good six. Well, I think a million. I think of Darius Smith. Yeah, yeah. He's a good six man, good guy, role player. I don't think he's anything like unbelievable, but Tyreza, I would take him on my team, on off the bench for sure. He is currently on the Trailblazers. Yeah, that's what I thought. Started with the Knicks, and he's played with a team such as the Rockets, Hornets, yeah. Suns, Kings. He's been everywhere. Yeah. And then finally, oh. Jerome Kershey. Kersey. How familiar are you with him? Zero. Yeah, he is actually uh, not, not with us. He... Uh, I oh, passed away. He, yeah, he's in 2015, um, and he played for the Portland Trailblazers. So, like, you know, quite a few teams. Uh, yeah, so he's 52 when he uh, time. And yeah, he started with the Trailblazers. He was a 46 overall pick. Also, the Warriors, Lakers, SuperSonics, Spurs, and and it was the Bucks for a year in 2000. And he is an NBA champion as in 1999. He won with the Spurs. And uh, it said that he it was from pulmonary embolism, also known as PE. It's a blockage of an artery in the lungs by substance then moved from elsewhere in the body through the bloodstream. So yeah, instead it was caused by a blood clot. So yeah, you you want to expect um, 
you know, athletes and NBA to get that, but like, sounds like it was, uh, it was all of a sudden. So it's good. I mean, it's, it's, it's honorable that, and all these gentlemen made the cut, or just about missed the cut, though, honorably made it. And the first, at number 10, of the 10 best second round NBA draft picks of all time is Doc Rivers. Who currently currently coaches. And go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say fun fact, he attended uh, Proviso um, High School. East or West? Uh, I think it was West, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was about to say that would have been the same as my dad. <laughs> no, but Doc Rivers been coaching long time. Coached the Celtics. Coached, yeah, he is from Chicago. Yeah, coached the Clippers. He won a reign with Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce when he was coaching. And he's a good coach. He made one All-Star game as a player. His stats are pretty good. But I don't believe he deserved to be on the list. I think they should have done one maybe. If there's one of his like, 10 greatest coaches, he would have been on it for sure. But I think Dennis Rodman should have been at least number 10. So that's my great His first name is actually Glenn, so he got the the nickname Doc. Right. And uh, he's known for his defense, of course, as, as mentioned, and uh, of course that carried over into coaching for the LA Clippers. And uh, yeah, so oh, so all right, I got this. Uh, so yeah, he, his kid uh, Austin Rivers. Plays and his high school is actually Proviso East. Oh, East, okay. Of Maywood, Illinois. So the same as my dad. So it was probably around the same time because he's birth year uh, 1961. My dad 64. So like they they might have he might have been there at the same time. Um, and you know that makes me think about other coaches right now like uh. Like Steve Kerr, who of Chicago Bulls back in the uh, you know Jordan era. Uh, anything else? I'm back. No, that that's it. Next, Paul Millsap, who's one of my favorites. He also played for the Atlanta Hawks, just like Doc Rivers. Paul Millsap. Became excellent. Yeah, thank you, man. He became excellent once he left Utah because Utah, he's a great rebounder, specialist. Till now, he's one of the best blockers, rebounders, scorers, passers. He's like they like they say, Swiss Army knife, which I agree. 
He's averaged 18.4 points, 9.5 rebounds, and cool fact, if he gets six more blocks, he'll become just the 15th player in NBA history with 7,000 rebounds, 2,000 assists, 1,000 steals, and 1,000 blocks. Paul Millsap is at the end of his career now, getting towards the end, but he's helping a good Denver Nuggets team who, if the playoffs start, could make it deep, and he's one reason for that success with Paul Millsap, evidenced by their plus 7.7 points with him and worse without him, minus 0.2. And Paul Millsap definitely deserved to be on this list for sure. Currently, he's uh, he, Nuggets have been without him, right? For a he's long. he's been hurt a little bit, yeah. But when he's healthy, he's good. Yeah, so look for him to to make a return, an NBA returns. As Nuggets are one of the twenty-two teams that will blank. Next is Mark Price. I shall say that of he from the Cleveland Cavaliers that he is the fortieth all-time in career box plus minus plus or minus one of the greatest shooters ever and he retired in 98 with 53.0 career effective field goal percentage ranked third among those attempted as many threes trailing only Reggie Miller and Dale Ellis and to this day is 90.4 free throw percentage ranks third in NBA history. But that uh, gives him, uh, should, should he be higher on this list because of that? Uh, I think Mark Price was definitely one of the best throwback Cleveland Cavaliers players because they didn't have that many great ones for a long time, but Mark Price is one of their greatest, not counting like LeBron James. He is one of their best. I think yeah, and he started yeah, yeah, I think he eight's a good number for him because looking down, I don't think he's better. The only way higher was maybe I would have switched him with Maurice Cheeks, but I think Maurice Cheeks was better. So I think he's good stays there. Alright. Yeah, so he was drafted by the Cavs. Uh and put from eighty six to ninety five. Then he was on a bullets four years. And ending with the Orlando Magic. And since then, he's been coach. And ironically, assistant coach for the Nuggets from 2018 to 2019. Otherwise, he's been a coach for the Charlotte 49ers, a uh, men's basketball NCAA Division One college team, as well as the Bobcats, that is the Charlotte Hornets. All as assistant coach, as well as Atlanta Magic, Golden State Warriors, Atlanta Hawks, Hawks, as well as uh, another stint as Nuggets. So yeah, he has a love for uh, Denver. Next, number seven, Maurice Cheeks. We finally get to a Philadelphia 76er. Maurice Cheeks 
played in the 80s. So he was on the teams with Dr. J, Moses Malone, Charles Barkley. So Maurice Cheeks was overshadowed by those three who were all fantastic. But Maurice Cheeks, he made four All-Star games, helped the 76ers win a title with Moses Malone and Dr. J. And I liked Maurice Cheeks. He's 12.9 points, aren't eye-popping off the page, but Maurice Cheeks didn't make many mistakes, which is very important, and his defense was also very good too. And Maurice Cheeks deservedly is number seven on this list. This cool about, that, uh, that about ten, about ten years, fifteen years later, that uh, a guy named the answer AI Allen Iverson would be the next best, the next greatest player on the seventy six years. Yep. Next is, yeah. is Tony Kukoc, Chicago Bulls legend, and he is featured in The Last Dance, which I got to learn even more about him. Um, I own one of his rookie cards uh, from the Bulls, and he is of Croatian yeah. descent, and so his story is that he was noticed by the Bulls management, Bulls front office, through the Dream Team 1992 Olympics. And so he was signed back in the early 90s and uh, was, say, uh, yeah, early 90s, 90s. Uh, he, yeah, he, he moved all the way to the U.S. and was part of the Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, uh, three-peat. Definitely, he is known as a critical piece. While Jordan was out with injury during that period, in the late 90s, so 96, 7, 8, three-peat. And, uh, you know, a point forward off the bench, um, he played with Started with 52, started 52 games. That shows that they're invested in Tony, and he averaged 13.2 points, pushed 4.3 rebounds, and four assists in 28.1 minutes per contest during the three championship campaigns. And as mentioned, he is in the last dance season. Pete uh, Ibley took on a big role. And Phil Jackson. Uh, mentioned uh, in an interview with Sam Smith, who is uh, the, is that the same Sam Smith that's in the Chicago Tribune? Chicago Sun sometimes? I think so. Yeah, the journalist in there that's covered uh, the 90s um, Chicago Bulls stories and all that. Um, that Tony was instrumental when Pip, Scotty that is, missed the first 30-some games Due to the contract dispute, because uh, Pippen was underappreciated, you know, underpaid as well, uh, definitely. Um, I'd also, you know, who wants to come back during that time? Like in goes. 
we finished talking about number six, Tony Kuchoch. Now we move to number five, who is known for being a diva off the court and on the court. And one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and that is Draymond Green, who played at Michigan State under Tom Izzo. And when he entered the league, Draymond Green was really bad. He only averaged 2.9 points, shot 32%, which is very bad. And no one would have said back then that Draymond Green would be a good role player, all-star, defensive powerhouse. Myself included, I would not have fought that back then, years ago. But he became multi-time All-Star, one-time Defensive Player of the Year. Arguably, maybe could have been at least twice, but he got some bad luck. I think he should have had at least two. And once David Lee, who was one of my favorites, got hurt, he gave Draymond Green the opportunity to take his starting role by the Horns, where he has stayed ever since, except with injuries, of course. But... He stayed there ever since, since 2017 and beyond. He's helped them win multiple championships. He's won, I can't remember what time year he entered the league. I think it was maybe 2015. I'm not sure when he entered the league. 2014. But he's won with them. Average 11.8 points, 8 rebounds. And Draymond Green... He's definitely a guy you want as a defensive anchor who also can do some scoring. So kind of a comp is like a Tony Allen, who's a great defensive player, but Draymond Green, better scorer than Tony Allen, but both very vital for their respective squads, Tony Allen when he used to play. And Draymond Green has been having to play more due to Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's horrible injuries. So that's Draymond Green. Next at number four is the Joker. Back again, Nikola Jokic. And currently he is on the Denver Nuggets. And articles. And I think it's too early to have Nikola Jokic here. Consider the following. So, next is that Jokic is first in win shares per 48 minutes. And box plus or minus MVP shares as well as playoff win shares per 48 minutes. And playoff box plus or minus. He trailed only Spurs legend Manny Ginobili in the fan vote. Uh, I believe that's talking about uh, this article yeah. by BR. Uh, being a fan vote, in addition to how NBA does their NBA uh, MVP award. And uh, comparisons to other second rounders, such as uh, those with at least 5,000 career minutes. Jokic trailed only Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Chris, BP3 Paul, Magic Johnson, and David Robinson in plus, uh, excuse me, in box plus or minus. I believe I was trying to 
string together three words, box plus money. So <laughs> the game uh, behind those numbers, even more impressive. And they call it his water polo-esque playing, playmaking, making something we've never seen before. When he entered the league, his feathery shooting touch all three levels on offense. And despite his reputation, he has always been a solid defender. Thanks for the size for a uh, big guy. Quick hand, which I guess, uh, is, you know, has earned that nickname Joker. And also, I guess, because he looks like it, uh, looks like him. The DC comic book hero, uh, or anti-hero, that is. And the back that he's generally in the right spot, which we've seen, uh, you know, before the shutdown of the NBA and making them, you know, a dark horse in for the NBA finals. Uh, the Nuggets, as uh, the defense has been comfortably better with Jokic on the floor as their captain in each of the five seasons. Now, we move to number three on the list. Jeff, uh, I always screw up his name. How do you say it, DJ Renable? Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, Jeff Fornichak, he also was a coach too. Or is a coach still. And he was on the Utah Jazz team that faced Michael Jordan in the late 90s and lost. Averaged 14 and a half points. Four assists, shot 42% during his seven years in Salt Lake City. Was good in Phoenix and Philly, too. Averaged 18.5 points. He made only one all-star appearance, but Jeff Hornacek was good, evidenced by his 48th all-time in career wins over placement player. I think he's definitely a guy who his accolades might not jump off the paper, Evidenced by some of the people, like Dennis Rodman or some of them, maybe should have been ahead of him. But he did do a lot of good stuff, so I'm fine with him being up here. We move to the final two. And I apologize to some of these players, but I don't know enough about them to continue long conversations. So we're just going to move to Mark. Not Pau, but Mark Gasol. And... Marcus Saul. Yeah. He was on Memphis. Well, he didn't go to Memphis. He uh, Paul Gasol, his brother was traded from the Grizzlies to the Lakers. And Mark became the face of the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe the best player in franchise history. Uh-huh. He won Defensive Player of the Year award. In 2012, he's made three All-Star games, two All-NBA, helped the Raptors, my second favorite team, win the NBA title last season as their defensive anchor, high post panking hub. He helped the Raptors greatly. And both Gasols have been great. Paul was expected to be great. Mark, not so much. But he became very good. And 
at this one reaction says Stephen A. Smith went on explosive rant de destroying Marcus Saul, which now looks bad on Stephen A. Smith's part. But this writer says at the time it seemed believable. Yeah, that is on the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. And they... Yeah. Tangling with Kyle Lowry and Bertha Baca. I mean, they've been missing a lot. And fun fact, I mean, I just observation. I noticed that this is my first time back at the mall yesterday. I went to the North Riverside. And of course, uh, in the news, we've seen that uh, there's some cases of looting and everything. So, nonetheless, I went into House of Poop. I noticed how they had jerseys um, hung up in the house racks and everything. And there was a bunch of uh, all stars jerseys available. And I've noticed a certain Toronto Raptor that is Kyle Lowry. He had, it was basically all him. Yep. Uh, just the red, uh, red, red based, um, color. Yeah, it looked nice. So I was wondering why. It's like, he's just very popular, or he's just like what's left after many of them. No, uh, I. There weren't many, it was probably two players that I think. No, I, I think Kyle Lowry, yeah. he deserves it because I think he's probably been the best player in Toronto Raptors, Raptors history. Yeah. Because you might go, oh, Vince Carter. But Vince Carter didn't play that many seasons in yeah. Toronto. Where Kyle Lowry spent like the mo past years, like seven, eight years in Toronto. Correct. Dedicated, yeah. Speaking of another dedicated and player that's been loyal and been uh, consistent and has a long tenure in the NBA overall, this next player is was mentioned at number four in the detail. So at number one is Manu Ginobili. And he from Argentina career with the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, Manu Ginobili. Yeah. Played with Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. He's part of that group, helping the Spurs win some championships. He won. He made two All Star games, two All NBA teams, won three more championships. So I think he won four. And he's also a six man, which he's known as a six man, but he could definitely be a starter for sure. But with Coach Popovich. And his style of play, he fit perfectly as the first scorer off the bench. Because, like, for example, Danny Green would start and Manu Ginobili, he could have came in for sure. But as a sixth man, it fit for him. Okay. And when you think of... Yeah. yeah, when you think of sixth man, you think of, like, Lou Williams, Manu Ginobili, those guys. Yeah. And over the course of his career, there's... And I can confirm, yes, he totally, he's been on the Spurs his entire NBA career. Oh, yeah, that's easy. 
you know, just like Duncan, that's why I, you know, love to associate when the Spurs were plus like seven points for 100 possessions with one on the floor in the playoffs and minus 2.5 with him off. So these are significant. Um, he, he's, a, he's definitely an equalizer when it comes down to that. And uh, he actually, since uh, being away from the NBA, and uh, it's actually good to mention that uh, along with his first teammate, uh, Duncan and Parker, he is known as, he was known as one of the big three. So, yeah, we, it wouldn't be uh, right if we missed that, that part. But, like, yeah, again, like, what comes to mind is that he could be a starter. So, being one of the big three, he's probably, you know, if it's not a sixth guy, he could be a third guy. And um, he's had multiple numbers, um, one and two. He's had the number 20 most recently. And he's been number 10, 6, and 5. And he is, uh, you know, he's, he's played he's Argentine and Italian. And he would play for the Argentine national team. Yeah, he... he... Yeah, he helped put Argentine basketball on the map. Yeah, that's important. And uh, again, one of those players that, you know, kept off this, this wonderful ranking, this list that, you know, he definitely uh, challenged everyone, uh, all the doubters that, you know, that, you know, they, despite being stuck around, that, you know, um, just for the mere fact that, the international players, uh, you know, like Coach of the Bulls, like, uh, could definitely be uh, super good, uh, you know, despite being from, you know, calling, being called soft, he definitely made a huge impact and uh, throughout the, the entire world and coming here, they proved just that. And uh, fun fact, you know, I believe he is a March on percent, which is a uh, one of twenty regions of Italy. So yeah, that's where his Italian uh, he holds uh, both citizenship, dual citizenship with Argentina and Italy. And I'm sure that uh, his entire career, there, like he's of course always on him in the U.S. So I guess we could say all three with the American and Argentine as well as. Um, Italy. And he is not, he is, I guess, considered average size, though, like at 6'6 six, six and 205 pounds. He's, uh, you know, again, um, who would have thought that he would be that distance anchor, you know? Again, being called soft and his size is like, alright, average. So, like, it's kind of like a Trey Young, like, even smaller, <laughs> like, throw him the ice train, you know? Like, definitely a smaller guy, yet, like, could all the sudden, like, you know, just dunk and could uh, be all quick and just basically tower over the tallest players, you know? So, those, those type of things that, is, you know, the tangible features, uh, uh, or say, like, uh, the tangible features of, uh, of someone is definitely very important. And, uh, yeah, so the Melbourne was drafted in 1999, and since then, at the 50th overall pick, he's been, 
one of the best in MEA history. Well, thanks for joining us for this 10 ranking. Greatly enjoyed it. And that's it for some basketball talk. Stay tuned for some potentially more news articles, or this may be the end of episode 27, which is to be determined. Yeah, and we there's plans to have uh, baseball talk, most notably MLB, as well as, uh, you know, about college. Uh, right. But uh, one of your good friends, go ahead and Yes, so for probably next week's episode, episode 28, most likely, or a special one, we have Jack O'Hara coming on for the fourth time to talk about baseball and we draft, but he's busy right now. He is working with the San Luis Obispo Blues baseball as the play-by-play guy, so he probably won't be on all the time, but when we get a chance to have him on, that'll be great. Then the other potential guest we're having is Grant Robbins, who played at the SoCal Catch, where that's where I met him when I was the worked there as an intern. Met him there in 2018. Also, he currently plays on the UNLV, so University of Nevada, Las Vegas, running Rebels baseball team. Interesting story that it looks like a lot of the mascots and stuff having to do with the Running Rebels moniker is being removed due to its racial undertones. I saw that re- today. Yeah. So they removed a statue of the Running Rebel, Reb, and that's interesting. Maybe we could ask Grant Robbins about that or not. We'll see. But we want to get him in to talk about his baseball career. And those are some of the potential future guests most likely coming on. We also have some other guests. DJ Benny Bull's friend, Jess, who he's been wanting to have in a while, could be coming on, which is very exciting to have somebody besides Cecilia as a guest focus on soccer. And yeah. that's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, and to get more in-depth on our team, uh, let's uh, let's uh, where. I mean, I got all of my best friends because um, that is where I came together and uh, have been fighting combat. And uh, definitely supporting to scheduling. Um, it will be because she said that she would is doing a summer sports. So, uh, you know, I was very excited uh, this week and hopefully we can get her uh, by the time the NWSL Challenge Cup And so quick, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to give some quick housekeeping news. Yep, and stay tuned for more. Yep. 
as always, you can find us on Apple, Overcast, Spotify. We're also on Twitter, Bullhawk Sports Show. Also on Instagram is the same. Just type in DG Valley uh, Bullhawk Sports Show. It should come up. And if you type us on, on Google, our Twitter page does come up right away as one of the searched results. So you can look us up there for guest alerts, episode releases, and maybe interesting news that we see that doesn't make it into an episode that warrants a quick response. Well, Jose uses all of them, so he could find us anywhere. Yeah, he also uses that uh, for blogging, like Pinterest. Twitter is known for uh, micro blogging. <laughs> yeah, you know the the OG right terms for uh, you know well like WordPress official blog or Weebly, any of those, yeah. Yeah, Weebly as well, which speaker Hawk uses. Yeah, he's that one. And I don't use them, any of them. That's okay. And also, DJ Benny the Bull is in charge of Twitter, so Twitter responses direct to him. He'll respond, Correct. and then I run the Instagram. So anything Instagram related, I'll be responding to. Yeah, feel free to send us a direct message. Yes. DM us whenever. Um, and. I was trying to make sure that we got the handle correct, at least for our Twitter. <laughs> um, I guess you want to... I was screwed up, sorry. At Bullhawk Sports. That is at Bullhawk Sports. All one word on Twitter. So follow us on there if you haven't. And... If you are... Our Instagram is lowercase DJ Benny Bull, all one word, underscore lowercase CJ Hawk. So DJ Benny Bull, one word, underscore CJ Hawk, all one word. And as always, we want to thank Julia Fortman, who created our theme song for the show. Thanks, Julia. And see everyone next week or even earlier, depending on potential breaking news that could come regarding reopenings or other related things. So thank you so much. Talk to everyone soon. Stay safe. Also have fun. Stuff is reopening, so it is safer to leave depending on where you go. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Right. And I, I myself would recommend going out to, you know, public places with large gatherings. Sure. Or would, you know, as usual, would have large gatherings such as bars as well as big, you know, the popular restaurant, but, you know, those 
those type of places. Uh, I would urge all who do take time to wear face masks. Wear a double if you need to. If you know you're gonna <laughs> eat with, I guess my number more than three friends, especially to protect yourself. Um, most importantly, and at the same time, with doing that, you protect others. Definitely lowers the risk um, by more than half by doing so. So as things are reopening up, I mean, when would you feel comfortable going to it? I mean. I myself, not until, like, there's the phase four that occurs, so I, that's when I'll be more comfortable. Well, I think I'm in a different spot, because I have been starting to hang out with some friends, like my friend Talia, we've hanged out twice more recently, and I was in Lake Geneva, so I don't know if I'd want to go to a big crowd, big gathering, but I'm more comfortable walking out in public with a mask and going to places, stores with, with a mask. But that's just my, my thoughts, my two cents. If it doesn't apply to you, then give it no thought. Yeah, and other than that, also to, if it mask or not, the best way, if you are going to go to socially distance. If possible. At the minimum, six feet apart from another human. And if you're in front of like pets, too, also respect that, too. I'll also just give them. Unless someone okay this stuff. And it's been proven, actually, that a cat, cats can get the virus, as one was tested. Sure. So. You know, like a human, you know, all other there and welcome back for the next segment of the bull and hawk sports show i am dj benny the bull and i have breaking news regarding the nwsl challenge cup and that is that the north carolina courage and portland thorns fc to kick off the 2020 Challenge Cup, which is presented by PNG and Secret Deodorant on CBS, CBS All Access, and Twitch. So the opener, which will kick off at 12.30 Eastern Time, which is 11.30 a.m., local time here in Chicago on June 27th and opening day also features 
the match that we've been waiting for. The Chicago Red Stars battle the Orlando Pride. I have their double header on CBS All Access, and we will reiterate the times and dates once again further into this. So that matchup is at 9 p.m. As the other day, the 16th, that is on Tuesday, June 16th, the National Women's Soccer League announced that CBS will air the opening match of the Challenge Cup between back-to-back champions North Carolina Courage and Portland Thorns FC. Courage being the super team that's been winning, again, the back-to-back championships in the league. They have superstars within theirs, such a stacked lineup in both of these clubs. And the Courage led by let's see get my facts straight right here courage the courage being give me a quick second yeah so they are led by Crystal Dunn, defender. They also have Samantha Mewis, midfielder, defender, Abby Dahlkemper. And we cannot forget Dabina, which is perhaps their best player, midfielder, as well as Lynn Williams, Abby Erseg, among others. And also Portland Thorns, led by Tobin Heath, which is forward slash midfielder, as well as Lindsay Horan, who is a beast out there we mentioned earlier. So, yep, they got Heath, forward, Horan, midfielder, one of my two of my favorites. And this time around, they have Emily Sonnet, defender, as well as the best player on their squad, Christine Sinclair, forward. Megan Klinenberg, defender, and their GK, Adriana French, as well as Ellie Carpenter, who might or not might or might not play, as she is of from the Australia national team, and there's rumors that she is leaving the league this year uh, for the year. So we will see if she will be a part of this cup. So with that, two ex- exciting matches. The first one we just went through, which will be in the opener on June 27th at 
Eastern Time, 11.30 Central. Which that day will mark the first time professional women's club soccer will be seen live on a national broadcast network in the U.S. And back to continue the announcement for the upcoming matches for the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup. Continuing on, so I have a quote by NWSL Commissioner Lisa Baird. She stated, The NWSL and our players are proud to lead the return to play in the competent and bold manner our fans have come to expect. The NWSL Challenge Cup presented by P&G and their secret deodorant brand will feature the best women's soccer players in the world on an innovative stage built for the times and thanks to CBS, more Americans than ever will be able to watch. I can't wait to get started. And then Dan Weinberg, Weinberg, Executive Vice President of Programming for CBS Sports, stated, We are excited to showcase the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup across CBS, CBS All Access, and CBS Sports Network and kick off the tournament with Portland Thorns FC facing two-time defending champion North Carolina Courage on CBS. Utilizing the strength of our platforms and reach across broadcast cable and digital, we look forward to bringing fans world-class soccer with all 25 games of this month-long tournament. Jeffrey Gertula made a statement, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of CBS Sports Digital. The 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup marks an exciting moment for CBS All Access subscribers and NWSL fans, which who will be able to see every tournament game, including exclusive live coverage in the U.S. and Canada of 23 matches on CBS All Access, beginning opening day so that is they're talking about our very own Chicago Red Stars being a part of that all matches through the semifinals will be played at a constant time slot which they put here as 10:30 a.m. mountain daylight time which is 12:30 eastern 11:30 a.m. Pacific I'm sorry, local central time. Or their headlining matchup, which would be at past prime time, which is 10 Eastern, 9 p.m. central local time. Both the tournament opener and final as we've stated before will air on CBS and will be streamed on the CBS All Access subscription service. All other games will be live on CBS All Access in the US and Canada and will re-air, so replays um, CBS Sports Network 
that is their old college network, fans outside the U.S. and Canada can stream the full tournament on Twitch. So, all games will re-air on CBS Sports Network. So, replays, find it on the cable channel. And here is the first, the preliminary games, and where to watch. First, once again, Saturday, June 27th at 11.30 a.m. All, I will announce, local Chicago time. And all take place at Zions Bank Stadium in Utah. North Carolina Courage versus Portland Thorns FC. So Jessica McDonald, Lynn Williams, and Abby Dahlkemper versus and their North Carolina Courage versus Tobin Heath, Lindsey Horan, and the Portland Thorns FC, which will be the first game on CBS. And for those subscribed, CBS All Access as well. So that is the first TV game in NWSL history. So that is exciting. On that same day at 9 p.m., the Orlando Pride take on our very own Chicago Red Stars. And that will be on the streaming platform, CBS All Access. So make sure to subscribe. And there, I saw that there were a free trial going on uh, both for students and overall for all else so take advantage of that if you would like to check out this tournament then days later Tuesday June 30th at 11:30 a.m. the Washington Spirit take on Utah Rose FC. So Rose LaBelle of the Spirit and Andy Sullivan of the Spirit will take on Kristen Press of the Utah Rose FC on CBS All Access. That night at 9 p.m. Megan Rapino and the OL Rain We'll take on Carly Lloyd of Sky Blue FC on CBS All Access. And to clarify uh, and correct that Bingen Rapino will actually not be playing this matchup. So I'm going to clarify something here. So that would either be led by Ali Long, midfielder, Jess Fishlock, or Sofia Huerta, defender for Olao Reign. Sofia Huerta, an alumni of Chicago Red Stars. Fun fact. And yeah, so they'll take on uh, Carly Lloyd of Sky Blue FC. Let's hope that Carly will actually be on that field that day, as it's not guaranteed that 
um, mostly one from what I've heard, national players not being uh, unlikely playing in this tournament. Um, some will be. Uh, mainly, I predict Red Stars, as I've seen that they are more than ready, uh, the entire squad, to step up to the plate um, one more time for this tournament. So and that will be on CBS All Access. Then on Wednesday, July 1st, at 11.30 a.m., the Portland Thorns FC will take on Alex Morgan, and let's hope that if Alex does not return for this tournament, then Marta and the Orlando Pride will be on it will be on hand for this, and that will be on CBS All Access. That same night at 9 p.m., the North Carolina Courage take on the Houston Dash on CBS All Access. Houston Dash that will they will be led by Rachel Daly, defender. Um, or they were previously. Now Rachel Daly is um. Let's see. Let's make sure that she is. Yeah. Yeah, getting mixed up here. Rachel Daly, their best. As well as Jane Campbell, goalkeeper. And Cammie Privet, midfielder. Then on Saturday, July 4th, Independence Day, at 11.30 a.m., the O.L. Reign return against... The Washington Spirit on CBS All Access. That same night, we headlined with our very own Chicago Red Stars taking on the Utah Royals FC. And let's take a look at some superstars of the Utah Royals FC. And that match will be on CBS All Access. So fire up your streams. Besides Kristen Press, on the Royals, we have Kelly O'Hara, Defender, Rachel Corsi, Defender, Veronica Boquette, def Midfielder, Nicole Barnhart, their GK. They also have Mallory Weber, a Amy Rodriguez, Forward, among others. Then on Sunday, July 5th, at 11.30 a.m., Carly Lloyd and Sky Blue FC take on Rachel Daly and the Houston Dash on CBS All Access. That same night, the headliner is Orlando Pride versus North Carolina Courage on CBS All Access. Then on Wednesday, July 8th, at 11.30 a.m., Utah Royals FC take on O.L. Rain on CBS All Access. Headliner for that night, the Washington Spirit versus Tobin Heath and Lindsey Horan of the Portland Thorns FC on CBS All Access. And 
the next day, July, Thursday, July 9th at 11.30 a.m., Houston Dash take on Chicago Red Stars. Same night at 9 p.m., Sky Blue FC take on the Orlando Pride on CBS All Access. Next, on Sunday, July 12th at 11.30 a.m., Utah Rose FC take on North Carolina Courage on CBS All Access that same night. Same network. Portland Thorns FC take on OL Rain. On Monday, July 13th at 11.30 a.m., Chicago Red Stars are back to take on Sky Blue FC on CBS All Access. And that same night, the Houston Dash take on the Washington Spirit. Then, move on to the quarterfinals. First matchup, Friday, July 17th at 11.30 a.m. on CBS All Access. Whoever wins uh, the final... I believe they do it with the, the final eight. Um... They start with the quarters that same night. Quarterfinals match number two happens on CBS All Access. And on the next day, Saturday, July 18th, 11.30 a.m., the third quarterfinal matchup. And that same day at 9 p.m., the fourth quarterfinal matchup, all on CBS All Access. Then, getting down to the wire, on Wednesday, July 22nd, the last two games before the last, at 11.30 a.m. at Rio Tinto Stadium this time. The semifinals first matchup, and then that same day at 9 p.m., same place, semifinal matchup number two will be on CBS All Access. And finally, on Sunday, July 26th at 11.30 a.m. at Rio Tinto Stadium, once again, the championship final is on CBS. Proud to say that. As well as for you streamers and those going remotely those traveling or could watch remotely on the go on CBS All Access as well. So all in all excited for this tournament and I'll definitely recap as we get closer and I'm hoping for myself that uh, we get to see um, leading up to this the for the build uh, some various whether it's on Twitch and I hope that um, I'm uh, like probably 70% sure that CBS will do some sort of special, you know, highlighting to some teams uh, leading up to the day of the opener. So uh, excited for June 27th. Uh, that is usually one of the best days of the summer as it's uh, a week into it. And, uh, you know, this weekend we're getting into the first day of summer which is in a couple days the 20th 
Uh, so I look forward to celebrating in some form or fashion summer solstice, and I hope everyone stays safe, and I'm sure everyone's tempted to go out during on the longest day of the year, as sunlight is apparent. It is on for the longest that day, so if you are going out, please be cautious as the virus is still out there as we're on the road to reopening Illinois, restoring Illinois into going into the next phase, phase four. More things start to reopen and let's not take one step forward and two steps back and go back to where we were before. So let's all be cautious still and stay safe. And looking at this entire uh, preliminary matchups, they announced the TV schedule. Um, I am very much excited. And I mentioned the betting odds the last episode or two episodes ago. And, uh, you know, the top contenders, the ones that, you know, are projected to be in the semifinals are between North Carolina Courage, the reigning NWSL champions, the Chicago Red Stars, who came close last year in their first finals, always made the semifinals, so I am totally not surprised if they make, let's just say when they make the semifinals, um, bold prediction for this Challenge Cup. And... Also, the Portland Thorns FC are right up there. And the fourth one is quite a toss-up. It is, I want to say it's between the Utah Royals FC and the Washington Spirit. Though, I'm going to give the edge to the Utah Royals FC. They have Kristen Press, Kelly O'Hara. So they are strong in that. Um, they've been contenders in 2019 season. So I will not be surprised if they do the same thing and climb up the ranks in this tournament. And I have a couple more tidbits, news that came up within the last 24 hours and this is and the schedule is courtesy of nwslsoccer.com and they showed a graphic of North Carolina's Kristen Hamilton and Portland Thorns's Emily Mangies who are also stars on that that I didn't mention so I excited for two of the biggest teams and of course of our very own Chicago Red Stars and one of my favorites Kristen Press who is a former Red Star as well so as everyone else gets to know all these teams uh, let's continue with more news there's a report and this is courtesy of lagconfidential.com and they report for MLS Team LA Galaxy. 
that the end of your cell could finally come to LA and LA could be involved LA Galaxy that is is women's top flight pro soccer finally coming back to California Alicia Rodriguez wrote this yesterday afternoon Bombshell News dropped Wednesday as report claims the National Women's Soccer League is in talks with the prospective owner to bring an expansion to Los Angeles. Meg Lindenhan, who is a supporter of the Red Stars as well as uh, overall the entire league, writer for The Athletic, CJ Hawks, a loyal subscriber, he is a reader of The Athletic, she says, one of the two local MLS teams is said to be involved in expansion club, likely as an operating partner. So there will be affiliates with MLS, which is not bad. Um, there are already a few other teams, such as the Portland Thorns, um, being connected with their city, uh, their local MLS te um, team, um, among a few others. While both the LA Galaxy and LAFC two distinct teams in the Major League Soccer, have claimed some degree of interest in getting involved in NWSL. Neither club has yet stepped forward. The league kicking off in 2013, odds seem to be greater than that LAFC would be the MLS club to be involved in the women's top flight. With legendary player Mia Hamm in that club's ownership group. And so, yeah, that looks like it's very likely if you have um, someone that's been in NWSL before, has played in on the U.S. Women's National Team, the legendary Mia Hamm on, uh, in ownership for M an MLS team, a club like LAFC, uh, that she can make things happen. And I predict that she's the one that will push it forward. Kevin Baxter of LA Times reported Wednesday after checking in with both teams that LAFC issued a denial on Linehan's report while the Galaxy refused to comment. So it might sound like the Galaxy would be so either or uh, at this point. No comment is not confirmation, far from it, though reading the contextual clues, if Linehan's sources concerning local MLS involvement are accurate, then process of elimination would seem to place the involvement in the Galaxy's lap. And having ties, you know, um, the GM's roles to communications work, to digital and social media work on behalf of club, four clubs at present, and NFSL have ties to MLS clubs, as I previously mentioned. All, fair, all four share and split those various duties between the clubs in several different ways. A trademark application has been filed by Ehrman for the possible name of this new club in based in LA, California. Angel City FC, which fits Los Angeles and has even larger ties to the Galaxy in particular with a Galaxy supporters group known as the Angel City Brigade. Worth noting that according to the report, a deal is not yet done. There is a reported expansion in Cali, of course, including a bid in Sacramento just last year. And no confirmation yet of LA of an LA which LA MLS team could be involved 
in some capacity in this proposed expansion team. And finally, the reporter gave an opinion on this for my money. What matters is that LA gets a team. As, of course, being one of the largest states in the nation, it's kind of due, in my, in my opinion, that they have a team. Not all major cities, including New York, not anymore. The Western New York Flash, former team for the National Women's Soccer League, turned into a different club. Though, you know, it could be a start for that. You know, St. Louis being one another one. Though, yeah, we continue on with this opinion that it's been a long wait as we've had to sit on the sidelines year after year while teams pop up in new spots. And this state in Los Angeles in particular isn't a backwater. It's arguably one of the most important places in the country, possibly the world, in developing elite women's soccer players, some of whom go on to play for the NWSL. And with that... I believe they mean such prestigious, um, you know, sports uh, schools, universities such as the Bruins, UCLA, among others, being, um, you know, like a feeder for NWSL. Um, you know, they've went on to play for it, them, and one of them I can name is Chicago Red Star Morgan Bryan. One of my favorites, one of uh, CJ's favorites, um, playing here straight out of there, though she is from Georgia, as I recall. Though, um, you know, LA being the, pl- the place that develops elite um, women's soccer players, that is very accurate. She continues to say, here's hoping it comes together, and hopefully I'll see you at a local NWSL game very soon. That is on NWSL expanding to Los Angeles to the California soccer scene connected with the MLS. We'll see what happens there. And one final headline brought to you by ESPN. And that is how will MLS US soccer NWSL take action and push for equality. Jeff Carlissel, U.S. soccer correspondent, reported this morning. And this is basically on social justice and players such as Columbus Crew of MLS, the fo- her, their forward, Derek Etienne, North Carolina Courage slash U.S. Women's National Team forward, Jessica McDonald. And to Portland Timbers for Jeremy Abobis. I hope I said that right. Abobis have shared their experiences with systemic racism, providing an invaluable perspective. And McDonald said the fire is lit right now. It's just a matter of how we're going to continue keeping this fire lit, McDonald. And it starts with conversations, and it starts with support for one another, just humanity in general. He goes on to say uh, various examples of what uh, certain clubs and players have done. 
and uh, realities combined with the movement inspired by Black Lives Matter create an opportunity for the sport soccer to have an impact on reducing systemic racism within the sports ecosystem. It is by no means a tap-in, and there is in sense this is all an all-or-nothing moment. And, you know, it goes on to say, like, you must act now, now or never. Addressing the imbalance at soccer's top levels. And you can definitely check out this article. Continue on. Kristen Press spoke out in an interview. And she explained how the global protests are helping the fight for equality. The... And and there's a final quote that I'll summarize real quick, basically saying that um, that we got to invest in a program and going to be um, for the U.S. Soccer Federation. What are we thinking? What should we have done something different? And that's fine. As long as it comes from a place of trying to do right, we'll finish the marathon in the right way. And capping off saying that there are many miles to go, and I agree with that. That is your NWSL and international football update. Thanks to everyone for listening. And stay tuned for episode 27 coming up this coming week. And everyone stay safe. Thank you. Quick correction. This is DJ Benny the Bull. And I mentioned that this coming week will be episode 27. This is episode 27. So, put that in the bloopers reel, as this coming week is the next episode 28. Signing off on behalf of CJ Hawk, DJ Bang the Bull. Stay safe. Enjoy summer solstice. And thank you.